0: 2, Two Shades of Blue, takes place in California during the late 1950s. Blue, played by Nina Ziamasco, is living with her father, who is a jazz musician and a drug addict. His habit leads not only to money problems, but also his death. With no other options presented to her, Blue begins working at a high-end brothel. Screenplay by Zalman King, directed by Zalman King, and released in Portugal on October 31, 1991. Had you seen this before?
1: no i haven't
0: i feel like this is one that you might have seen <laughs> um have you seen the first one before well no one
1: uh which i thought i did but maybe i was just thinking about nine and a half weeks <laughs>
0: which is another which... one i have not seen either, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah yeah same writer it's the
1: same writer and the first one I feel like I can talk about that movie all day long. Well, I'llork in one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: yeah, I think it's important to mention that this is sequel, very much in name only.
1: Yeah, they do not have anything in common besides nudity and sexual content. Yeah, the only and the thing same is, director. <laughs>
0: yeah, same director, same writer, and quote-unquote erotic content yeah and that is it
1: I tried to find other movies that were like sequels that had nothing to do with you know the original movies yeah and I really couldn't find anything
0: there's no like Like, list out there
1: there are lists but I was like because there are I just did a quick search there was a couple of lists but when I was looking at these lists I'm like the At least there's like, I'm trying to, because one of them was like, I've never seen the Blair Witch 2, but they said the Blair Witch 2 had nothing to do with the first. But But it still probably involved the Blair Witch character. Yeah, that's what, a lot of this list, it said like Home Alone 3, but I was like, that's just because it didn't have like, the same characters. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, exactly. But the same it had type the same, of content. Yeah, they ha- had the same storyline and whatever. Same theme. So that's where I was looking <laughs> at this... It, it Like, even American Psycho 2, I was like, but it's still, like...
0: That makes more I mean I haven't seen American Psycho 2 but that makes a little bit more sense possibly Yeah If if she's a businesswoman who's also a serial killer then well there you go Yeah that's a a similar That's more than what this
1: has Yeah this is like (laughs) nothing there's no characters that are the same the story isn't the same
0: This takes place I don't know like 40 years before the events of the first movie Yeah Basically because this is or 30 I guess because it's late 1950s so it's technically a prequel, even though there's no corresponding characters whatsoever.
1: Right. It's, uh, it has nothing to do with the first one at
0: all. Yeah, the first one is like this lawyer who is brought to... Brazil. Brazil. That's what I wanted to say, but for some reason I... And, and for some sort of international legal deal, and then she gets sort of roped into this weird love triangle thing that's going on. Yeah,
1: with, with a very... Rich businessman who, like, uh, that it's movie, a... <laughs> I could watch that movie all day <laughs> long. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or then talk about it. So, but
0: this one is, yeah, it, it, basically everything that happens in, in that first movie was of her own free will. For like, You know, I guess you could probably question some of that stuff, but, you know, for the most part, everything yeah, she that happens was in sort the s- first wild s- orchid is she of was her set own up, volition.
1: But, yeah. it But that turns into, like, a love story. Like, she falls in love with this, like, mysterious man. I guess. Well, I mean, that's what... I mean, yes, I mean, that's what
0: the movie's supposed to be telling you. I didn't believe the love story in the first one. But, yeah, that's a whole other thing.
1: I mean, there's a love story in this movie, I guess. This 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 movie was, like, three movies in one movie.
0: It was. Here's the thing, though. I feel like it did a better job of actually, like telling the story than the first one did the and obviously first one doesn't mean anything but <laughs> yeah. like we wild orchid there were so many moments in that movie where people would just like react or shout out or scream or whatever and i'm like why do you have this emotion like there's nothing that led me to believe that they felt a certain way until they saw you know suddenly like scream like why don't you care about me? Or something like that. Like, you you cared about them too? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of unmotivated <laughs> stuff that happened in the first one. This, I think, I at least understood the direction and the path that the plot was taking. Okay. I think that the content is a little bit more questionable at the root of it. Because you have this person who may
1: or may not be 18 years old. And she's 16. Is she, did, did they say that she's 16? No, I looked it up and it says she's 16.
0: Okay, so they might not have said it in the movie. Um, there's a scene where she's talking to this guy, Colonel Captain Edwards, uh, who is coordinating people for a senator who frequents this brothel. And he asks point blank, is she 18? And the the madam is basically the saying. I mean, it's like,
1: don't even worry about it. Yeah.
0: So you have that going on and at some point later on in the movie she returns back to high school as a senior so i'm assuming a senior cuz she's in classes with the love interest joshua who is a senior so if she's 16 then
1: she's probably like she, she started off she jumped a grade with whatever
0: test she took to get back into high school
1: she could she could have been like 16 17 i haven't yeah it's, it says that in the beginning, way, legality 16.
0: is dubious. Yeah. And and it's someone who's basically forced and manipulated into this sex work. Um, so, the, the main conceit of the plot is a lot more questionable than Wild Orchid. But I think, in terms of straightforward plot design and how you can understand what's happening to the characters, this made a lot more sense than the first one to me. I will say that this was... Well, I don't know if either of them were all that erotic. But...
1: The first one was right up my alley. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, right. I was like, I want to watch Nine and a Half Weeks again because I just really liked it. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I have not seen Nine and a Half Weeks. I'm not, you know, I haven't really watched a whole lot of the erotic stuff because, you know... That's not what my family would be renting. We've talked about this I, before. I mean, like, you know, we're we weren't like renting that, but I would be... And re- there's no way I'd I, watch it on my own or, like, oh. take it home from the video store and have my parents, you know, say, oh, what videos you had. today? Like, <laughs> yeah. I got nine and a half weeks from going to my room now. No, I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched these movies because I would just stay up late at night watching cable, and these were the movies I watched. Yeah, they, they,
0: the only reason I would like, have seen something like this is, yeah, like a like late night sleepover with a friend. Yeah, exactly, because I would... Time. would always
1: spend the night at a friend's house and she had the black box. I don't know if you if that was like a thing across the I, United States. Yeah I don't
0: know if it was like an actual thing like a physical
1: but thing she had, but like
0: the terminology was well known back then. Yeah that, that meant the premium channels basically. She
1: Yeah they had all the cable channels including like pay-per-view and whatever and we would watch hbo showtime cinemax cinemax being the big one movies yeah but i was i was just i mean when this is when i was like 13 or something not like at 11 i know it's only like two years later yeah but this didn't
0: actually release in the u.s until mid-1992 yeah so
1: i was like surprised i was surprised i did not see wild orchid the first one i think i've i've heard about it because there is controversy around that movie
0: Oh, is there? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, well, <laughs> maybe we can get into that if it leads into some of this stuff. I don't know. The uh, what was I gonna say? Anyway, nothing about these erotic encounters were all that erotic to me.
1: No, this movie was. It's more not...
0: disturbing. Yeah, across I was. The board. It
1: made me feel like gross I'm <laughs> I don't watching this movie.
0: And I think that perverted nature is intended, but I don't know if it's meant to be erotic. Like I don't know if it's meant to be titillating to the people. Like you know, is this, watching is this? this Yeah, is yeah. this made for people who would be into this sort of perversion of these like younger young... people and like let me be more voyeuristic and whatnot. Like is that on purpose and catering to them? Or is it meant to be sort of disturbing to a more general audience considering it's Elman <laughs> King I would probably say the former
1: yeah I'm he's known for making like erotic stuff
0: yeah and there's nothing wrong with making movies for right. a certain audience, but this comes across as something that would have a more general Appeal, You know, you have a trailer that says, you know, from the makers of whatever, trying to portray it as something of this love story with conflict and double lives and stuff like that. And, you know, making it seem like she has full control over her own business and body, which isn't true. And it's probably just partly because it's early 90s. And you know, yeah, things have changed in society and perception you know a movie like this today would not have the same perception as it did in early 1990s
1: right I mean I'm trying to like the most recent erotic film that we saw was Deep water yeah and that movie was not erotic to me at all and I'm just like I don't know I feel like the 80s and 90s did a good job with doing like erotic thrillers even if they were like cheesy like sliver I I like stuff like that and that's just because it I don't know (laughs) and then you, you but you have good erotic thrillers like single white female and like I like Poison Ivy, and then there's like The Last Seduction. But then there was also good erotic thrillers from like the 70s and 80s. You know, you got like Body Heat and stuff like that. Which is like, the storyline is like intriguing. But this is like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, yeah. dist- I don't want to say disturbing. I don't know. It's just yeah, like, it's not really disturbing. Like, who's just- this? I was like, who is this for? I think it's... Besides the director. Like, did he just want to make this to... Because he's wants to do something like... Like, what is he trying to tell? I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: I, I mean, I, I could ask that same question to the first one. What the hell was he really trying to tell? Because it seemed that- like nothing happened in that stupid movie.
1: I mean, that movie reminded me so much of other, like books and stuff that I mean that movie is very close to nine and a half weeks you have like this brooding like mysterious rich guy who's like you know telling this girl what to do and she's like coming out of her shell she's kind of like shy or whatever and he's trying to like you know become more inhibited or whatever the hell and then that's kind of like a little bit like nine and a half weeks, but then it also reminded me a lot of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Which
0: is another one Which I don't is, have much I know. context for other than the BDSM aspect. Yeah. They know that that exists in there, but uh, yeah, I think the 80s and you know 70s through early 90s were probably a key point for these erotic movies because of the home video market explosion yeah you know it would be a lot easier to we're probably going to see a lot of these if we you know for however long we continue this podcast for because it was ripe for that you have this home video market you don't have to worry about theatrical release just put it on home video and you can have something that you can rent without going into that back room with the curtain right because they're store. not
1: it's not full-on you know Nudity, I guess. Yeah, it's not... and so it
0: scratches that itch, and who? So in, in many cases, who cares about that story? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, people don't. When people are looking for that, they're not caring for a story.
0: Yeah, and so I mean, I think that's sort of what they're they're going for in a way. And I I do like a couple of the characters' progressions. I do like what like, we didn't really say. Like Blue is the name of the the main character. Uh, played by Nina here and I mean I, I like her progression I like her character overall
1: yeah she was just put into a shitty situation and it's
0: I'm trying to I feel like there's a comparison to a movie that I could make, but I'm just not really fully grasping it right now. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Freeway or something like that, you know?
1: I thought of... Because I was thinking about Freeway and Freeway 2. Those are other movies that have nothing to do with each other. But Freeway 2 is, like, about a 15-year-old sex worker who, like, gets into some shit. Which has nothing to do with the first movie at all. So that that was another movie that I thought of that's probably like the closest where the sequel has nothing to do with the first one.
0: And I haven't seen Freeway 2, but I can at least say from watching the first one that that movie doesn't shy away from the brutality. Yeah. This one almost seems to glorify it. You know they're bringing this person into this brothel environment where you know the father is is dead very early on which is kind of surprising honestly because the dad played by tom scarrett is this jazz musician i was expecting that bigger name person to be in this movie throughout and the fact that he dies basically like 10 minutes in was kind of like a interesting shock it was a nice you know unexpected change of pace for a movie like this to have like one of your biggest named people gone that quickly um but then you have l come in as, as the madam who's basically saying yeah i mean guess who paid for your dad's funeral and all this stuff you have nowhere else to go you have nothing else to do and she's basically preying on this orphaned girl to turn her into sex work which she was sort of forced to do already because the club owner was owed money and
1: yeah, she, she she slept with the... the club owner who has been, like, long-time friends with her dad to give him more heroin because he was, you know, going through withdrawals. But the weird thing in that beginning, he was, like, the father was trying to hide his addiction to her mm-hmm. for, like, how long?
0: I, I'm not sure how long they've been on the road and doing stuff. It just
1: seemed but... like... He was doing this for most of her life. They don't really talk about... They sort of talk about her mom. But they don't talk about... I mean, I'm assuming the mom died. I don't know when. They didn't say when. No. But she's all of a sudden just like... With her dad. And he's just going up and down California at these jazz clubs. And the only way he gets money is just playing, you know, his trumpet... At a jazz club. Yeah. (laughs) And then... I don't know, that's their
0: life. That's their life, but yeah, this guy Jules, who owns the club, has been with them for a long time in some form or fashion, been very friendly with them, and when Blue goes to get money for Jules, again, some of the dialogue is just very unmotivated, Um, you know, so they're like standing outside of the motel and... Blue is basically, you know, saying, I need to make money for my dad, I could, you know, clean dishes at the club or whatever you need me to do and he's yeah. like, Oh, that'd be way too many dishes And then she's like, Okay, well if you have another idea, just say it. Like as if she already knows that it's gonna go to sex, but there's nothing in the conversation previously to indicate that it would. Yeah. You know, so it's like that kind of unmotivated stuff that happened a lot in Wild Orchid One, um, where it seemed like people were just like sort of reading minds or just skipping a bunch of steps. Mm -hmm. in the conversation to get to the juicy parts uh that's what happened here and so jules basically is like yeah you're you know if you've never been with you know have you ever been with a boy or whatever and and gets that whole situation so anyway she's with jules sees the picture of jules the dad and the mom yeah and i really (laughs) i was afraid of where that was gonna go because once the dad discovered the picture because she took the picture with her um i didn't like where that seemed to go it's like did you ask him why he had this picture of the mother
1: it seemed as if like he was the friend was also in love with the mom.
0: Yeah, I think like, also that's what
1: it was alluding to. I think at he least was like, a
0: conquest of his, sort of the way the blue ended up. Yeah,
1: because he was like, "You look so much like her, and you remind me of her." Blah, blah blah. Seeing all these like gross things to a teenage girl. Yeah,
0: but the dialogue also sort of alluded to the f- possibility that Jules was actually her father. Oh well, that's then what that's it seemed like to me. I'm like, I don't like. Worse this is to scary. me. Yeah, like this doesn't. Like not not necessarily the jewels knew, but the dad would have.
1: Right. Well, because then, so like but, when the know. dad finds out that she slept with him, he goes fucking insane uh-huh. and starts like trashing their hotel room.
0: Yeah, and I thought that was possibly partly why. So. It, nothing was resolved in that front to confirm. Kind yeah, nothing was another. really
1: because then he dies that <laughs> Just, night. Yeah, he
0: he like ODs and
1: he's like in the back in the, in or the car. front. No, he's in the car cause he's then he's driving he, the car. Yeah, he's yeah. driving. But it's he in passes out. Yeah, he passes out and the car goes in reverse, and he gets in. He's like slams into another car. Yeah, and dies from that
0: so either from the car crash or an overdose or combo so that's when Jules comes with l and basically says here's your option you know you now owe us a bunch of money for this whatever the the room the damages the coffin and all this other stuff you have nowhere to go you have no family so come with me and then they try to glorify this brothel by saying how high-ended end is and, you know, how, you know, look at how fancy everything is and look at the fancy mm-hmm. meals we're going to be having and the best clothes and the best everything. And, like, they really do try to glorify this whole situation in, in place. Oh, yeah. At least in terms of the movie. And Blue is kind of just catatonic for the first half of the movie. Understandably.
1: Right. And you have, like, the other girls in there saying, you know, see, like, there's that part with Mona, like, showing her what the other girls do.
0: Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're, that's done through peepholes while yeah. they're all actively working. You can, like, you know, they have it's like, bath oh, tunnels or something like that. And so and so just likes
1: dancing with this guy. Like, he pays her to dance with him or something. Yeah,
0: and this guy likes to pretend he's dead. Yeah. This guy does this type of thing. Trying to, like. I'm talking about how each girl has their specialty and whatnot, yeah. too. So it's an interesting way to introduce us to all of these characters who really.
1: They're don't like, mean anything. Yeah, they're barely <laughs> in
0: it. Aside from Mona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who who becomes sort of a central part. Uh, Mona, played by Leanne Curtis, who we've seen in Rock and Roll High School forever, as Stella. Uh, this is, I think, her only other 1991 movie. Although she was also in 10 episodes of that show, WIOU, that we've talked about a couple oh, times. Oh, okay. So yeah, Mona is, is there. She was the youngest, I guess, before... Blue comes in now, and as soon as she arrives, as soon as Blue arrives, it's really just a whirlwind of activity and, you know, various different scenes, and she's brought to this high-end restaurant, and, and she has to work while she's right there in the restaurant, and is, like, forced to go into this bathroom, and this one guy just, like, rips her clothes whatever pumps a couple times and then leaves
1: yeah that was weird because it was like the bathroom was all set up because he's like go sit in that chair and put it was your- a
0: shoe shine chair
1: oh okay
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so it's like yeah it, because it's like a higher end if, okay. that kind of confused me too and then i saw like yeah because oh basically, okay because i was like, was like in a sense did,
1: they, the- did they did they put that chair there for her to sit in that's what i was like no
0: it, that pre-existed as a shine chair okay in the so middle he was like, bathroom.
1: go sit in that chair and put your feet in the stirrups
0: right and then he does does his thing briefly and then leaves yeah without saying anything and
1: then you know the the madam is like see that's all you have to do type yeah. of thing and then you get you know a roof on your head and nice clothes and whatever. Nice... You get to have fancy... Yeah, you get to have the best food. of everything.
0: Yeah. The And she's meaning, like, the senator. Like we talked about before, Captain Edwards helped with um, Senator Dixon's acquisition, I guess, is the best way to say it, considering the circumstances. Played by Christopher McDonald. Uh, known many for... Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, shooter McGavin <laughs> is here. I mean, he always plays something of a villainous person, it seems. Uh, he's going to be in several other 1991 movies. So we'll talk about him later when we talk about Dutch, Thelma and Louise, Red Wing, Fatal Exposure. He's in all of those. So the, the, the Senator part is honestly one of the more... I don't know. I don't want to say loving, but it's like, you know, not so... You know, Lisa at least that first did encounter with him, mm-hmm. its that's probably the most sensual of them all, and that's where Blue kind of starts to let herself go a tiny bit. Well, like he's washing her like, butt and, like, soaping her up, and she's yeah, like, oh, okay, this is fine in a way.
1: At the beginning, we should do, like, a trigger warning. I don't know. We should have done that, like, a yeah, half hour ago. I mean, <laughs> this I, entire movie is a trigger warning for everything.
0: I think yeah some of the content we've said will lead you to understand I'll what just we're put it say. in the
1: notes cuz I thought about wildflower we didn't say anything about trigger warnings for that. Yeah. Um but yeah it's you know he's like grooming her. He's like let me be friendly with her first to for her to lighten up to me and Yeah, which stuff like that. Cuz is... he was the most gentle with her in the beginning Mm -hmm. and he didn't really want to sleep with her it was just like I want to bathe you and whatever and she's like okay this is fine until it leads up into something worse
0: yeah but that's not until like many many scenes later Right. Uh, and, and I think what might have helped a little bit is if we would have you know to build that up was to have seen multiple encounters with them Right, because it was just that one. one. And then really late in the movie. Well, not really late in the movie. Yeah, about two-thirds away in the movie.
1: He's like, yeah, he has his bodyguards come and take her.
0: Basically. Uh, And it becomes a a big thing that we'll... I don't know if we want to get into yet or or wait. So after that encounter, though, after the nice encounter with the senator, Mm -hmm. she's being driven by this bodyguard person for the brothel Sully played by Robert Davi Uh, and he's talking about how she needs to get away Mm -hmm. as soon as she can and that basically she has three weeks before she becomes hooked on the power of it all Um, otherwise you know it's not that she's going to be addicted to the money it's not that she's going to be addicted to you know the, the sex or the attention it's that she's going to have all this power over everyone because she doesn't care mm-hmm. what is going on and they all do and that's where the power dynamic comes from and so i think like that type of monologue again makes this movie a little bit better or more i don't know um, better constructed than the first one because you actually have these character motivations that are building and actually built in and you actually have these dialogue scenes that make sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I appreciated that. I appreciated Sully's character overall. He's very much the bodyguard of the entire brothel, but really especially Blue and probably because he knows the age of her and is a little bit more protective of her than some of the other ones. i was just
1: wondering if he was like that with Mona, because Mona was. The Mona young was
0: one. the youngest, but they don't say that she wasn't. On, you know, they don't say that she was underage. Either.
1: Mm. Uh, I mean, he. Yeah. Because
0: she had run away and come back multiple times, from what they said.
1: Right, and there is a part in the movie where. That happens, and Blue, uses all of the money that she. Has made so far to help her run away again.
0: Yeah. And then she comes back later on.
1: Yeah, she's like, I just couldn't handle it or whatever.
0: Couldn't stay away. Yeah, yeah. addicted to the power, as Sully said, apparently. Yeah. Um, when she's sending Mona off on this bus, right away, she then runs into this guy, Josh, who we talked about a little bit in passing, but we meet him very early on.
1: Yeah, that In was really movie? weird because I was like, "Well, that whole his whole situation was weird to me." It's like every time we saw him, his father was always like fifty feet away calling for him. Yeah, and He's... I was like, "Who is his dad?" I and then there's a part where he brings the father brings him into that brothel to like,
0: yeah, so very he can lose his
1: virginity. Yeah. And I was like, is the father a politician as well? Because they live in... He's a colonel. A colonel, okay. They keep calling him colonel. Alright, so... But... Okay, so they're mostly in Sacramento. This brothel. I think so. And it was a bigger city, and I think it was, you know, Sacramento. Because then... Before that she like her blue and her father were in some small town maybe i don't even know like outside of sacramento i don't know davis i have no idea
0: yeah it honestly <laughs> just says somewhere in california at the very beginning
1: right so. it says somewhere in california but when i went on you know imdb and stuff it, it says that they end up in sacramento and they do say sacramento at some point I can't yeah remember. when
0: she's introducing herself uh, to the class when joining high school yeah while she's with you know the mom but, from mom that we just saw last week right <laughs> werewolf lady yeah. yeah
1: so they're in a small town and josh is in this small town like he lives in that small town with his colonel father i guess and when they first meet um josh just like kind of sees it. Like, her father pulls up their car next to his parents' car to go do something. I forgot.
0: I think they're both parked for church.
1: Oh, but then where where did her dad go? To- um. Because she just sits in the back seat with his horn on her lap. And that's when Josh sees that and he's like, oh, I'm a horn player too.
0: Yeah, he makes up stories. But he
1: was like making up stories saying, I'm a because his father is like Josh come here we got to go to church or whatever but then he's telling blue oh those that guy and that woman over there they're not really my parents i'm like a convicted felon that like escaped some random prison or whatever yeah and he's like, oh, I'm also a horn player, too, because he sees, like, the horn in our lap. And she says something, I forgot, and they kind of laugh. But then his father is like, Josh, come here. And that's when he runs off. That's, like, their first meet-cute, I guess. But, um, yeah,
0: yeah, they're both, like, sleeping in the back of cars, and they happen to, like, wake up and
1: yeah, yeah.
0: start to interact. But I don't know like, where her
1: dad went. Yeah, he whatever, went. He to go went get in, drugs or something. Yeah, no
0: probably. Idea. Yeah, I don't think they were actually there for church, but Josh and his family were. Um.
1: But then she sees him, yeah, as she's, like, helping, later on in the movie, as she's helping Mona run away, she takes her to this bus station, and that's when Josh sees her. And he's like, you, I remember you. And they kind of, you know, rekindle something, because, I mean, they obviously, like, have crushes on each other, like, immediately.
0: Yeah, and he's a charming individual.
1: Yeah, and he's like, I remember you, blah blah blah. But then his father is also fifty feet away, going, Josh, come here. I'm like, why is his father always like, calling for him? <laughs> I was like, this poor teen son. Yeah, I mean, he's he's completely overbearing.
0: I mean, part of the reason why is just circumstance, right? He's like a senior in high school, so he doesn't have full independence. the first time we see him is like he's in church. The second time, that's when they're literally on their way to the brothel.
1: To the brothel. So like
0: it's the pre-scene before the next scene when they arrive. So he's picking up flowers at this place so he can bring them to the brothel Mm. in the next scene over. So that's why the dad's there is because he's going to drive him in there.
1: Yeah, and...
0: And then there's, you know, a scene later on where... He's Josh at the football is, game, and he's yeah. the quarterback, and the dad like runs onto the field in between plays. He's like, you have to win. Like, this is the last play of the game. You have to win I this championship. I was like, his father like, is
1: constantly... Like,
0: it's like, duh, man. Like, like give your leave kids him some alone. credit. Like, I don't of know. course I, this is the, the last play for the championship. Like, Everyone knows this.
1: I don't know. I was getting annoyed by the dad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's... He's completely
1: overbearing, like we said. yeah, just overbearing parents. like he probably wants his son to be like all this, this kind of other stuff. Yeah, this perfect human being. but and then once when you know, Josh is being called to go to the brothel, he's like, "Can you meet me here tomorrow, four pm?" And she's like, yeah, but then she goes back to the brothel. And then at the brothel, she always wears this black wig, like as her persona.
0: Yeah, she's always wearing something blue, yeah. but she wears a black hair wig when normally she's blonde. Yeah. And so she arrives late. Um, after being chased in...
1: This uh, crazy chase.
0: in On her bike by this car full of guys with this one guy in the backseat, J.J. Clark, with, like, bleach blonde hair, mm. who's basically threatening and harassing her and saying, I'll be back for you later, type of a thing. And Sully steps in to to kind of save the day there too mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah so then she arrives after this and has to go into work and and um josh is there with like the lineup of girls and he's like joking around because he's like you know he's a goofy
1: kid yeah goofy
0: guy who's trying to be
1: charming and crack jokes all the time to take the pressure off everything and then yeah his father is like picky like his father's being all pervy and gross Saying pick your woman, oh, oh, oh. and
0: I'm sure there's plenty of guys who have had that happen with their dads. Oh yeah, you know, like you... that's
1: like. Do you ever watch the Bunny Ranch? Yeah, that's
0: what I was gonna say. Like the Bunny, <laughs> the Bunny Ranch, the HBO. Thing. Yeah, like, the you HBO. Know, that that <laughs> kind of thing happens. <clears throat> yeah. Um. I, I don't understand it, but hey, you know.
1: I don't you know, know. It's. It happens. A thing, and.
0: So. But Blue walks in later. Yeah, she
1: comes in down the stairs and. I guess he picks her and they don't, he's talking, they, you know, she takes him to a room. She's not saying absolutely anything. He's like trying to talk and whatever. She's just, you know, slowly taking her clothes off. But they, we find out later that they don't sleep together.
0: Yeah. She's like, they embrace, like she's basically naked and I don't know if he does. I mean, she starts to undress him. I just don't know how far it goes. And then they embrace and then they...
1: Yeah, she's crying. And they show
0: her crying. And then the scene cuts to him leaving and blowing a kiss to her in the car. As 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 if
1: Well, because that's in front of his father. So he has to act like he's a macho man now or whatever. Well, he also
0: says that he... Okay, here's the weird part. Because, like, later on when they meet again... As high school students,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's talking about this encounter as if he didn't recognize that that was her at the brothel. And I'm like, you really didn't, like, I thought that was the whole thing. That you totally understood that that was her.
1: No, he but didn't he know didn't. it was her. Which, I mean, she's wearing a wig, yeah, but I mean, not said, that different looking. <laughs> he's like, you know, he, he said that he was with an Oriental
0: girl. That's well, what he she, said. Because of like the black wig and like the She was the, wearing like a the silk robe or whatever. Yeah, like a what
1: I can't but think like, of what on. it's called. What a geisha would wear. I can't think of the term now that you know the very the gi. Oh, okay.
0: or whatever. Um but I mean like I thought that that was him making another joke and like sort of like playing it off and, you know, lying like, like he oh, had. In the as past. he
1: knew as he really knew it was her.
0: Yeah. Because he should have. Yeah. It seemed pretty obvious. Uh, But he
1: didn't. And the the fact that she
0: didn't say a word, I guess, helped cement that. Because if if she would have talked, then he would have put two and two together. But,
1: oh well. But she, okay, she cries. And then the madam L, she's like, do you always cry? Like she knew, like she was watching them. Right after that, she's like, do you always cry when you make love?
0: i mean maybe because she just saw the tears or the you know like you know how faces still look red and puffy after you're done crying and she might have been able to tell
1: but and then there was like end of that scene and then on to mm-hmm. like the next whatever scene it was that one guy's bachelor party or whatever yeah, jj the jj
0: clark who's basically like this steve type of dude like very boisterous and like over the top oh and i was
1: thinking like biff or something yeah yeah i mean
0: like <laughs> honestly like physically in the face he looks like steve-o to me yeah but he,
1: <laughs> i mean it's like that 50s like jock he's just like know. a punk-ass fucker
0: i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know like he's he's supposed to be like a shitty Shitty, snot not knows
1: yeah um, and she's uh taunting friends, him yeah, yeah his
0: friends like all paid for the encounter or whatever and he's like I told you I'd be back then and then she like gets so off she on just the like play,
1: yeah all. she starts to play into it a little bit she's like oh does it she starts to like uh take her clothes off a little bit and she's like oh do you want to take advantage of me in front of all your friends yeah like they like bought what you for you said me before? Why don't you show them what you yeah do? show them what you can do yeah, and then you such a big man type and then he's thing. like what the fuck like yeah. getting a little and then that's when he was like okay let's go and, she, and but she's like going she's like trying to take his clothes off she's like saying oh does your bleached hair yeah, um, doesn't match Does it match down there? and then she's just saying all these things and and then she starts like screaming and whatever and humili humiliating him further where he's like, you know, fuck you and then like runs away,
0: yeah, and then, yeah, that's when Elle like slaps her and like yeah you know you can't you can't do that to a like client,
1: bang. a paying client, or I'm like, wouldn't you have gotten the money though already?
0: They did. I mean who knows what the rules are there? are free funds but uh, whatever uh, <laughs> long story short yeah they have like a small confrontation then like very shortly after that they have like a brief half dinner scene and then the senator calls for blue like immediately like come to me now um, and then that's when it that's when his demon side comes out because she's like immediately set up for like
1: this weird kind of snuff- looks like a snuff film yeah this weird ass snuff film where she was gonna be like
0: like a hood over her head she's like getting stuff ripped off they have like a camera set up with like lights and everything and several guys in handcuffs and she's tied up and
1: all this kind of shit yeah as, so as it if gets they were gonna real f- like take turns because then he the senator was like just think of them as a, in his extension of me type right. of thing
0: and that's where another scene or two with the senator would have helped yeah to, sort Cause to she, set this up because it really seemed like it came out of nowhere
1: yeah, because she was like, oh, the sen-, like, it seemed like she did have, like, this nice relationship with him because he was, like, nice to her in the beginning. Like, you know, like, kind of gentle. They should have shown, yeah, they should have shown her at least two more times with him. Yeah, build up the to trust build or something. this or, up. Or for give this us a glimpse of scene. his
0: darker side.
1: Yeah. And that's when, you know, Sully comes in and, interrupts them and like he sh- he shoots at them but doesn't shoot them. He just shoots like a vase or whatever. Yeah. And then steals their money, takes her,
0: steals blue and then they run away and start a new life.
1: But I was like they buy a
0: house together and pretend to be a family.
1: Like in in a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in a day. <laughs> and she's like next day she's in high school and Sully is her play dad, like yeah, pseudo dad.
0: Yeah. And she goes to the same school as Josh now. so that Right. And
1: then now it's like this whole other and movie.
0: And, yeah, I honestly thought, like, after they ran away, like, okay, well, this is almost over. It's like, no, there's like no, 45 minutes left. No, there's a whole
1: left. other movie now.
0: Um, and that's when we find out that Josh did not recognize her at the brothel because they, you know, have a yeah, discussion about they how start, he's a virgin yeah, they, and how, she, how he almost was with somebody and uh-huh. it wasn't and all this kind of stuff. And
1: They start dating. Mm uh-huh. hmm. Until, you know, that football game when the, I guess the, this is where I was like, well then Elle finds out, I don't know how many days or weeks go by.
0: No. It doesn't really say. No idea at all.
1: But then Elle, you know, calls into the school as her mom. Mm-hmm. Like one of her teachers or the principal or whoever. It's like, oh, your mom's on the phone, and she's only like,
0: Blue knows that that's not possible.
1: Right, but then she takes the call. I would be right. like, I don't have a mom, and yeah, not like, take no, the call. Dead. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I think she probably just wanted confirmation. Oh, L did actually find me. Like, I think that's the only reason I could think of that would make sense for her to actually take the call is to like one hundred percent confirm that oh she's been found and she needs to run away again. Or at least things that she does
1: yeah but that's l is threatening her to return and then l Elle... yeah
0: and it's doing stuff to set yeah we find out later that she's doing things to set it up so that she doesn't right. return
1: yeah so she you know l um sets this that whole snuff film thing again with the senator with another blonde girl to make it look like it was her that was actually in the film
0: yeah and yeah, then cause the movie wasn't finished it was obviously disrupted when Sully came in yeah but they show Josh and the dad the movie like they find they find it all out they use Josh's dad as the conduit for this and it's like oh yeah we got some scouts who want to come talk to you and it, that's really just them showing this this movie exposing Blue for what she is or was um and the movie is now finished not like, really. <laughs> I, well, I mean, we don't see the full finished movie, but we see parts beyond where Blue would have left. So yeah. we know that she you know that they basically in a sense finished the movie yeah. it to make it look like Blue was there the whole time and enjoying what was happening.
1: Right. And Josh is creeped out by this. He's like grossed out by it, runs away, and Blue's trying to you and know Blue explain runs herself away
0: and everyone runs away. And then at some point, Blue ends up in Elle's car with, uh, you know, that guy, Captain Edwards. And then Sully's trying to run them all off the road. And then holds a gun to Blue's head. At one point, Sully dies.
1: Yeah, to... Well, because Elle just wants her back. Right. And Sully's like, I'll kill her.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, Blue, if you really want to go back, then I'm just going to kill you because it's not worth it or something like that. Like something... Like that kind of thing was like Wild that whole Orchid conflict won, like
1: was weird because then Elle's like, "All right, that's what I'm saying." Like that's that's the kind of thing that
0: happened a lot in like Wild Orchid One, where it just seemed like completely unmotivated. Like it didn't make any sense that these types of scenes or but, situations were even. Like happening. nothing was
1: resolved. I don't yeah, and then know. Nothing,
0: exactly. And then nothing was resolved.
1: <laughs> but it's just um... Elle's like, "Okay, you can go and have your shitty life without me," and blue's like okay fine like i don't want it yeah and then so i guess her and sully pretend to be father daughter and then she runs into josh at the very end of the movie and yeah. they like rekindle their love basically
0: he's like well i might as well go back to school and pretend for one more day like what what's the worst that could happen or something and then yeah they meet with josh again and on the way to school and he's like it's a tough time processing it but i'm over it i love you goodbye. Or, you know goodbye movie because credits <laughs> so all right it, it's a it's a weird one um it went on too long it,
1: yeah I, the, I was getting I'm kind of bored
0: yeah once once she left the brothel and like it seemed like she was escaping like i kind of wanted it to be over i wanted that to be like the happy ending part of it and like josh is a good character you know i like who he was he was the most... I don't
1: know. Likeable? He was, yeah, he was like
0: the most likable character of like both Wild Orchid movies. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do like Blue a lot too. Sully's just your standard like white. I don't know. I just didn't need as much. I don't, it it's just too long. Yeah. The only thing we haven't talked about really that I think is worth mentioning is the score. Because that is very much what you would expect in an erotic movie. Oh yeah. Cause you uh, have
1: like that horn saxophone,
0: very over the top and very loud at times music. I'm not sure if it's just the mix that we got on the digital rental, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> by the way, the digital rentals calls it blue movie, blue wild Orchid two blue movie, blue instead of two shades of blue. That's what the title mm-hmm. card said, Mm-hmm. Just weird. Um, music done by george
1: s clinton not george clinton and the funk no band
0: no george s clinton who is well known in the choreography scene and is actually well accomplished i thought the music overall was pretty good even if it yeah. was kind of standard at times but it's pretty good overall he's an emmy nominated for Burying my heart at wounded knee he has a daytime emmy nomination for Pee Wee's playhouse which he shared with mark mothersbaugh he also has a Razzie nomination for Howard the Duck's Worst Original Song and a Stinkers nomination for the Most Intrusive Score for The Apple. He was part oh, of the really? Apple score. Uh, he's also done stuff like Cheech and Chong Still Smoking and the Corsican Brothers, Mortal Kombat, uh, Wild Things, both the 1987 and 1998 versions, Austin Powers is his, Santa Claus movies, and also Red Shoe Diaries, which is also one of Salman's.
1: Yeah, can she, I can see Red Shoe Diaries music.
0: There's even a scene in this movie that kind of alludes to Red Shoe Diaries, even though this came first. Because when she first arrives at the brothel, mm-hmm. um, Elle is basically saying, yeah, strip off all your clothes and step into these red shoes. Hmm. I mean, I've never seen Red Shoe Diaries, so I don't really know how that whole uh, anthology I, series I works, but I, it felt like that. it was kind of like a preamble... Maybe, I don't know, or like a weird pre-reference to it?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it made me want to watch all of the Red (laughs) Shoe Diaries.
0: I've not seen a single episode. So yeah, the the music is interesting, at least. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other casting crew really quickly here. The only Okay, so the only connection I can find to Wild Orchid in terms of the cast is the guy who was... Credited as Man with Mona, the one that Blue steps in to, you know, defuse the situation right before she
1: ran away. Ran
0: away. Okay. A uh, guy named Michael Viella. I don't know. V i l l e l l a. He played Elliot Costa in Wild Orchid One. I don't remember who Elliot Costa was on Wild Orchid One. Uh, and he also played Russ Thorne in Slumber Party Massacre. Got to wedge in a Slumber Party Massacre reference into this episode. <laughs> so they have a shared cast member, but I don't think, you know, it's obviously just coincidence. But that's, yeah, that's the not only the connection. same
1: person. <laughs> no, he doesn't I mean, play the same character. It wouldn't be the same character because then he would be like 70 year, years old. Yeah, it would Wild. have been
0: the dad of the character he played in Wild Orchid 1. We have a couple cameos in here that I think are worth mentioning. Gloria Rubin is in this movie as Celeste, twice nominated for an Emmy for her work in ER. She's also in Lincoln and Mr. Robot. Uh, In 1991, she was also in The Young Riders in one episode and also a couple episodes of The Flash TV series. This is a very early role for Gloria Rubin as one of the girls working the brothel. Uh, We have Jules, played by Joe D'Alessandro, only really appears in those first couple scenes. And then it's all Elle all the time in terms of, you know, adults. Yeah,
1: I mean, she... So, Elle was supposed in the beginning... Well, after her father, Blue's father died, Elle was like, I'm going to give 10% to Jules for your first six months of working because you owe him for your father's funeral costs. And then, you know, she... And Blue also, when she finds out that she has to work at this brothel, she trashes the jazz club. And she's like, okay, well, your earnings are going to go to this mess you made, too. But they don't show, like, Elle and Jules working together after that.
0: No, they don't. So it's... It's not unexpected, but it's interesting. I'm actually going to save Jules for last, because I think he's probably the best pausing on the credits candidate for this episode. Let's talk about Elle really quickly, because I don't know much about her work, because she's mostly an Australian film actress, and I don't have a lot of U.S. crossover for some of these movies. I don't recognize most of the stuff that she was in. Played by Wendy Hughes, she is an Australian Film Institute winner for Careful He Might Hear You. Also nominated for several others, such as My First Wife, My Brilliant Career, Echoes of Paradise, Lonely Hearts, all movies that might mean something to Australian film aud- audiences, but maybe not so much over here. We talked about Zalman King, Golden Globe nominee as a supporting actor back in the 60s for a show called Young Lawyers, which he was on for a couple of years. Razzie nominated for a screenplay for nine and a half weeks, which is interesting to see that that was Razzie nominated. He's also responsible for Two Moon Junction, Red Shoe Diaries, uh, 33 episodes as a writer, 11 as a director for that, and also a a show called Body Language on Showtime. Nina Siamasco, if we're pronouncing that right, hopefully, played Blue. She's been in stuff like License to Drive, Floundering, The American President, Suicide Kings, more Tales of the City. Tom Skerritt, we talked about, he has that brief role. He's an Emmy winner and nominee for Picket Fences, think people know him from things like Alien, Contact, Top Gun, Steel Magnolias. Poison uh, Ivy. Poison Ivy, Poltergeist 3, River Runs Through It, Turning Point, Dead Zone, MASH. He's been active since like nineteen. I just thought it was
1: weird. He goes from like this wholesome dad role. I liked him as a dad. Like the,
0: the scenes where he wasn't, you know breaking up rooms. Like, he had a really good dynamic with his daughter in those he, couple scenes. He goes
1: from, yeah, but he goes from, like, Wholesome Dad and Steel Magnolias to, like, this, and then Poison Ivy.
0: Honestly, I was kind of worried about this movie just because I saw his name in the credits, and after we saw Wild Orchid 1, you know, it's Mickey Rourke and then... Um, Who,
1: Carrie Otis? Cary Otis, or yeah, Or Jackie Bissett. Yeah,
0: Cary Otis. But, like, seeing the big name of Tom Scare, I'm like, is he going to be, like, the lead guy, like, Michael... Like Mickey Rourke was. I was kind of worried about that Oh, like in.
1: a brooding
0: Yeah, or just like the mysterious main mysterious man? The main love interest of the to movie? Her? Well, I didn't know who oh. it would be. So, you know. It could I mean, have been, that's it like Poison been, Ivy. I don't
1: know.
0: It could have been Tom and, and Wendy Hughes as L, for all I would have known going into this. But, um, no. He just has a very short role. Robert Davy as Sully, Razzie nominated for Showgirls. He's also going to be in the 1991 movies, White Hot, The Mysterious Murder of Thelma Todd, Legal Tender, Taking of Beverly Hills, and Under Surveillance. Best known probably for things like Goonies and Die Hard, License to Kill, Maniac Cop Two and Three. I'll also quickly mention Brent David Fraser, who played Josh Joshua Winslow. He'll be in one more 1991 movie called Plymouth. He was in things like Class of 1999, Wild at Heart, and Dead at Breakfast. Uh, lastly, we'll talk again about Joe D'Alessandro, his jewels. He's one of the guys from the Warhol, uh, Andy Warhol, Paul Morrissey crew.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, so he's been in things like Lonesome Cowboys, Flesh, Trash, Heat, Flesh for Frankenstein, Blood for Dracula, all that stuff. He's also gone in and been in things like Crybaby with John Waters and The Limey. And uh, one of the weird little bits of trivia that they mentioned here is that he is the crotch that's on the cover of the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album that infamous okay. album that's that's his crotch that you're seeing so yeah he was part of that you know that collective as it were and that's all we got for cast and crew this time no awards to speak of it did have very limited box office performance back in may of 1992 puts it at 189 on our total list of box office performers with less than a million dollars about a half million or so so on to your crime culture
1: yeah this movie was released october 31st 1991 the same day as salmon Berry, so a lot of the tv that i talked about was already on the salmon berries yeah, episode
0: check our episode on that
1: and i'm gonna do the bottom five of the music I mean if we have another Halloween release which we will see later on I'm sure there are other movies released at this time I'm going to talk about something else that happened on that day but I'll just talk about it later. Sure. So I'm just going to do the bottom five of the billboard charts this is of as of November 2nd 1991 and this took me down a rabbit hole of a couple of things. And um, number 100 is Things That Make You make you Go, Hmm, by C- CNC Music Factory.
0: Is so it the tail end of its run?
1: Yeah, that was, it peaked at number four, and it was on the charts for 16 weeks. I know we talked about it before. Yeah. And number 99 is this song called Monsters and Angels by a band called Voice of the Beehive. And I've never heard of this song, and I've never heard of this band. But the band members are former band members of the band (laughs) Madness. Oh. But it has two female singers. Yeah. Which Madness
0: did not have.
1: No. And this is their only hit that came to the U.S. They're a British band. They only had a couple of albums. But they had more, I guess, singles that were released, but mostly in the U.K. Because the other singles that I see were in the top 40, but only in the U.K. This was the only song that made it to the u.s that was popular but i've never heard of this song before okay yeah number 98 is scat strut by mc scat cat and the stray (laughs) mob and i didn't even know that mc scat cat had his his... solo work yeah (laughs) Yeah. i thought he only did opposites attract and that was it right but and that I was just look, like
0: a name made for that song,
1: yeah, yeah. But I would that's why I went like when I don't know when we were preparing for this, you're like, Are you ready? I'm like, No, I started going down a <laughs> rabbit hole of MC Skat Cat. <laughs> I was like, Wait a second,
0: is he still touring? <laughs> no,
1: so <laughs> this was the only album that was made by this group. It's like, it's two guys they're called the wild pair. It's a duo I guess it's like two singers for this, well the scat cat and then his crew Mm -hmm. and it's two guys by the name of Bruce Shazar and Marv Gunn and obviously they became very popular with just Paul Abdul's opposites attract This song, the video has Paula Abdul in it. It's just like her dancing again with the scat cats. But it's like scat cat with like other cats. It's animated, but then you see Paula Abdul like dancing around with Mm. them. Like opposites attract, you know? And (laughs) I thought that... Because when I saw the title Scat Strut, I thought it was that other song that's i'm the scat man
0: oh from like the late 90s
1: yeah i thought that was that this okay (laughs) but it was (laughs) and then like reading more into these guys um this album was poorly received and it failed to chart and on the A.V. Club website, it was deemed as one of the most least essential albums <laughs> of the 90s. That's too bad. <laughs> i so probably they, like <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is something for like kids because yeah. it's all like, you know, rapping cats and it's all animated. But yeah. this was the only other single that came out besides, you know, Opposites track. But they did have this one album that only came out in the year 91 but that that was it they came and went because no one received it well no one liked it i just thought that was hilarious and then number 97 is the song forevermore by stevie b stevie b is another freestyle singer he's come up before yeah Uh, i don't know i don't know if this
0: song has but i think he has
1: yeah, cuz he has that other song because I love you. Yeah. I don't know if that's in 90. I don't think th- I thought that was more late 80s. Number 96 is Paula Abdul her promise of a new day. That was number 1 at some at point. point. Cuz <laughs> we heard I remember talking about that and that was six, 16 weeks on the chart.
0: So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Uh, where on your one to five star scale would you put Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue?
1: I'm giving this a one. Oh, you're not giving it
0: a two? You're no. not giving Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue a two?
1: No. <laughs> okay. I would give the first one a three. Wow. <laughs>
0: I'm completely reversed. Like, again, like, I don't. I think the content of this movie is more disturbing. But I think it's a much more palatable as an actual cohesive story than the first one. I like so much in that first movie. I'm like, what the fuck is going on and why? Like, why is this person saying this all of a sudden? Like, it, none of it made sense. There was no uh, character I was progression ri- I don't at know. all.
1: I, I was, I was riveted the entire. <laughs> I, I was like, I this is something that I would want. Like, how did this get made to talk about?
0: <laughs> it's, it's just like. Why is this lawyer putting up with all these sexual harassment lawsuits? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah.
1: that I mean, both movies are not great, but that movie is so much better than this movie.
0: I feel like this had... Yeah, anyway, I've said it a couple times. Uh, it doesn't mean it's great. This movie's not great. It was shot well. It looks really nice. Like, cinematography-wise and directing-wise, yeah. it looks nice. Content-wise, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna give it a two. I'm going to get do the full two, um, on my zero to four star scale. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? I think I already know your answer here. No. But you would watch the first one. Oh,
1: again. I would watch the first one. Like, I would do like a double feature: nine and a half weeks, Wild Orchid, Mickey Rourke fest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just I I don't know if he just does nothing but soft whisper in nine and a half weeks but that's all he did in this one
1: uh i mean if that's like on somewhere i'm like really curious because i haven't seen that movie in a really long time yeah
0: um i would watch other zelman king stuff over these two movies i would watch in nine and a half weeks because i'm curious i'd be interested to see what some of the red shoe diaries episodes are like but no i don't think i'd watch either of those movies again necessarily i not, my, I, the not first, my thing. I'll yeah, find other erotic thrillers that yeah, f- have more thrillers. Oh yeah, there
1: there are better erotic thrillers. Yeah, I'd rather have like I'd a rather better have more
0: like mystery embedded into my erotic thriller. This is This like, is these not these are not thrillers really. No, I mean, it's just like erotic movies. There's some weird like intrigue in yeah. this one. Like the, the movie Jade
1: kind of is whatever. a good like yeah, that's yeah, like,
0: like a Jade is Closer. Yeah. Jade needs more eroticism in its thriller, probably. But yeah. Right. Anyway, if you out there want to watch Wild Orchid Two, Two Shades of Blue, as of this recording in April 2022, is available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movie rewind at gmail.com dot Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox, and YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind. Or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week, we're keeping the wild theme alive again with Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. That's available on Disney+. Plus, So you know it's going to be a little bit tamer in content. Also, VHS and DVD Digital Rental. We will see you then. Thanks.